Welcome to another American Bankruptcy Institute podcast. I'm Sam Giordano, ABI Executive Director. Puerto Rico's beaches and sunshine have long delighted tourists, but for years the island's economy has struggled under a world of debt, somewhere north of $70 billion. Puerto Rico also suffers from double-digit unemployment and astronomical electric utility costs, impacting both businesses and households. The island's public electric utility, called PREPA, is the source of some $20 billion of that debt. The utility was expected to default on its obligation to bondholders, with other public utilities likely to follow suit. Had PREPA been located in the United States, it might have the option to file for municipal bankruptcy, as public agencies of many states can do under Chapter 9. But the U.S. Congress explicitly excluded Puerto Rico from Chapter 9. Nor can PREPA file for Chapter 11, as public corporations and agencies are barred from Chapter 11. So mindful of this predicament, Puerto Rican lawmakers in June passed the Puerto Rico Public Corporation Debt Enforcement and Recovery Act, which gives PREPA and similar entities two restructuring choices. The first suspends a public corporation's obligations for nine months, giving it time to negotiate a debt restructuring to be submitted to creditors for a vote. Under the second, a court can, subject to certain protections for creditors, impose its own debt restructuring. Within hours of the law's enactment, two groups of mutual funds sued for injunctive and declaratory relief, asking a federal court in Puerto Rico to declare the law unconstitutional. Their lawsuit argues that only Congress has the power to enact bankruptcy laws under the U.S. Constitution, which also prohibits a state or commonwealth from altering the terms of existing contracts. With me to discuss these issues are two ABI members in Puerto Rico, very knowledgeable about both the situation and what comes next. Sonia Colon and uh, Javier Villarino are with Ferrarulli LLC in San Juan. Sonia chairs the firm's Bankruptcy and Creditors' Rights Group, while Javier is a bankruptcy attorney in the firm's bankruptcy group. Welcome to ABI Podcast to you both. Thank you, Sam, for having us here. Thank you very much. So first, um, let me ask if I've uh, accurately, if uh, if uh, in a shorthanded fan, fan manner, uh, described the new law and what it would do. Yes, the Puerto Rico... Debt Enforcement and Recovery Act, which we'll, we, we will refer to it as the Puerto Rico Recovery Act from now on, um, was enacted to address uh, an emergency fiscal crisis that has been carried over by the government for over six years in, in deficits. Um, the, the government is the whole, it holds the utility companies in Puerto Rico, the water, com- the water utility company and the power utility company, as well as the highway authority. And all those three utility companies have been struggling to, to pay their debt as they become um, due. Therefore, the, the, the fact that the government cannot seek relief under the bankruptcy code um, triggers the enactment of a series of laws, including the Puerto Rico Recovery Act. The first law was the Sustainability Act, which was a law to declare the emergency crystal uh, fiscal crisis, and, and, and it creates it so that when the Puerto Rico Recovery Act comes in as enacted, 
utility companies and the government agencies can seek relief under the, the, the fact that there is a fiscal emergency crisis. And it justifies the, 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 the enactment and the relief that these utility companies may seek through it. Um, so, so basically, these, these proceedings will establish steps for the restructuring of the debt of these utility companies in provisions which are similar to those found in Chapter 9 of the Bankruptcy Code. All right. So a, uh, an extreme uh, measure for an extreme situation. Correct. Right. Correct. So um, the negotiations are continuing, uh, I guess, against the backdrop of Law 71. But in court, what are the competing legal arguments? What are the, what are the parties, the stakeholders uh, who have so much at stake here? What are they arguing in court? The Puerto Rico Recovery Act has generated litigation in the U.S. District Court of Puerto Rico, questioning its constitutionality. Uh, in that regard, I will commence commenting on the case filed by Franklin California Tax-Free Trust and the Oppenheimer Rochester Fund against the Commonwealth of Puerto Rico, which was filed on June 28th, one day after the Recovery Act became a law. In that case, a group of the holders of the bonds issued by the Puerto Rico Electric Power Authority, which I'll call PREPA, filed a complaint against the Commonwealth, PREPA, the governor, and the Government Development Bank, challenging the constitutionality of the Recovery Act. Uh, their argument is essentially threefold. First, they argue that the Act is unconstitutional in its entirety because it is a state bankruptcy law preempted by the Bankruptcy Code. In other words, they are arguing that it violates the bankruptcy clause of the United States Constitutional. The second of the arguments is that the Act gives the Puerto Rico uh, the power to expropriate private property for no compensation. In other words, they are making a takings clause argument. And the third one is the Recovery Act deprives creators of contractual rights to payment in full of their claims again, impairing contractual obligations. In other words, they are making a contract clause argument. Franklin Oppenheimer then filed an amended complaint in which it added additional arguments. Uh, one of them, for example, was that the new law was providing a superior law, a superior lien on property that is already subject to the lien without, to its lien without just compensation or as we know it in bankruptcy, uh, adequate protection to the existing lien holders. Uh, the Commonwealth of Puerto Rico filed a motion to dismiss. And even though it raised various arguments, the most important of them is rightness. The government is alleging that the challenges to the Constitutional Act of Puerto Rico is premature and should be dismissed on rightness. Uh, they say also that they have the authority based on the police power, uh, and also that the contracts clause permits the impairment of contractual obligations when it is necessary to achieve an important government purpose, such as the one that they are alleging here because of the economic crisis. Another group of bondholders, Blue Mountain Capital Management, uh, who holds more than 400 million of the PREPA funds, also, also filed a lawsuit. And in that one, 
they anticipated the rightness uh, arguments, and they raised some arguments in additional to the ones that had been raised by the Oppenheimer uh, to say that it was, it was right, the controversy was right for the court's consideration. And the argument was basically that since the passing of the new law, the value uh, of the prevalence has been in decline. For example, since the recovery, or between June 18th and June 30th, the PREPA bonds lost more than 25% of their market value, and they lost an additional 30% by July 2nd. So they argued that this uh, passing of the law has caused this losses, and it continues, and the harm continues. So they added additional arguments just in anticipation of that rightness uh, argument that they had raised or the government had raised with regards to the previous complaint. Both cases are before Judge Pesosa. He's knowledgeable on bankruptcy law. He had been a bank, uh, commercial litigation practitioner before, but he had handled numerous bankruptcy cases. So it's going to be very interesting at this point from a bankruptcy perspective whether the judge will find it constitutional or not constitutional or constitutional or constitutional the new law passed by the government. Right, right. Now, of course, there's a provision in the bankruptcy code that invalidates state laws to, re- to restructure municipal debt, but um, query whether that even applies to Puerto Rico since uh, its uh, municipalities and and departments, if you will, uh, aren't permitted to use Chapter 9. So they really have no alternative, no federal alternative. Yeah, and, and, and the way they see it, Sam, is that, that there's a, uh, an emergency fiscal crisis, no? Right. And, um, and, and to address it, then the state is given the powers, you know, to, to, to be able to provide for, for this type of situation, specifically when essential services will be interrupted because of this um, you know, fiscal uh, emergency crisis. Um, and that's and going into the law, you know, that, that is actually one of, um, of the requisites for, for, for these agencies, these public agencies to be filing for, for relief under, under Law 71. Which is that that they that there's a fiscal emergency that they, that's number one, and then second that they don't qualify for relief under under Title 11 of the U.S. Code, and third that the General Development Bank and the governor, or the General Development Development Bank and the board of or the board and the board of directors, I'm sorry, um, declare that 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 this agency needs to file for relief. So basically. We have those three requisites: the the fiscal crisis, and we have the the GDB, which is the General Development Bank, with the with the governor or the GDB with the board of directors, and that they're not entitled to relief under Chapter 11. Right. And the same goes with dismissal of these uh, of, of of these petitions. They go within the same route. Um, if the fiscal emergency is over, or if there's a way that there is relief under Chapter under Title 11 of the U.S. Code. Or, or, or the permission to seek relief is revoked by the GDB and the governor or the GDB and the board, then these cases would be dismissed. Right, right. I suppose there, uh, you could argue that there is an analogy here even to recent developments in the states, you know, in the case of, of Detroit where um, uh, an emergency manager uh, was, uh, was brought in in the case of a a genuine emergency and the the state acting to 
uh, to address it. There is a lot of similarities, actually. Um, the, the Puerto Rico Electro, Electrical Power Authority, PREPA, um, their, their bond debt it, it's actually higher than the bond debt in, in the Detroit case. Right. Um, so, so, so there is there is strikingly um, similarities between both, both right. cases. So, um, taking a look at the impact um, on on the local economy and and how important it is uh, uh, to the island's uh, development, um, how important is it uh, that the electric utility be permitted to restructure its debts under Law Seventy One? Well, the, the the real differentiation, which I will point out, with other jurisdictions is that Puerto Rico is mainly run by the government. It has PREPA, and it controls most of the electricity in the island. The same goes with PRASA, which is the water authority. So most of, of the utilities are controlled by the government, and they have reached a level of debt, which was not sustainable to continue its operations. What procedure should they have followed? Uh, that's questionable whether this was the best procedure to follow. I have my reservations uh, after this. But they had to restructure or they had to look for solutions in order to keep operating and give their basic services. Uh, and it's not only with regards to their debt, it's regards to their internal procedures and their internal processes. Because the cost of electricity in Puerto Rico, which depends mostly on oil, is higher than most of the jurisdictions in the states, and it's creating an uh, unsustainable economy and for the growth of, econo- of the Puerto Rican economy, which has been passing through a recession for years now, uh, there's no potential to grow unless you deal with your internal prob- problems and financial problems in this two agencies and other, uh, other corporate um, other public corporations. They have pointed out that there's another one, which is the Highway Authority, which according to a podcast, they're not going to file under this uh, new law, the Puerto Rico Public Corporation Debt Enforcement and Recovery Act. Nonetheless, uh, there has been other laws that they are that they may be enacting, which may deal with its financial woes. Mm-hmm. Nonetheless, Puerto Rico has come to the end of the road and has to take some decisions and financial decisions that it cannot be postponing or continue postponing uh, to resolve the financial crisis that it is right now. Right. So would the Water Authority be next then under Law 71? That's, that's the common understanding that the Water Authority, even though Water Authority right now uh, it's not in such a situation of Sparasa, but maybe next or it's negotiating at this time with mm-hmm. creditors, but it also has a difficult situation, although it's in better position than the electric authority. Mm-hmm. And again, in, 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 in either case, um, the law becomes merely a backdrop uh, upon which to conduct negotiations between the stakeholders and, and the government. Exactly, and even the differentiation between Chapter 2 and Chapter 3 uh, with Chapter 2, it's more, Javier is going to explain it in more detail, but Chapter 2 is more akin to negotiation background. It's more akin to a pre-pack, uh, and while in Chapter 13, it's more akin to a Chapter 9, where 
Chapter 3, where we have more court intervention. And Javier, you may want to comment about both chapters. Yes, I think um, I think you cover the, the gist of it. Now, um, the fact that Chapter Two also creates—they uh, don't call it the, the, an automatic stay, but they call it a suspension period. Um, and as soon as the the, the the same requisites for filing this type of of uh, of, uh, of of relief um, of petition um, goes for 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 both chapters. Now, they can actually file for Chapter Two or Chapter Three, and there's actually a provision in the law. Where you can simultaneously file for relief under both, um, because the effect of the automatic stay will give a breathing spell that the bankruptcy code gives in, in, the, in the federal court um, to these public corporations to be able to go back and negotiate with with the, the creditors. Now, in the Chapter Two, it's sort of like a mediation where where the government goes straight to 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 the creditors and and, and try to delineate a plan. Where a majority um, will actually vote on it, and and once they have the votes and they have the plan delineated, they go back to the to the to the uh, state court, and the state court will confirm the plan. Um, so it, it, that's what uh, Sonia was saying about it's more akin of, of kind of like a prepackage, but most of the negotiations will happen um, during the the the, the 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 suspension period. Right. Um, after they confirm a plan, um, there's going to be a panel, uh, a committee that's going to, uh, there's like an oversight committee to verify that the terms are complied with. Um, and, and, and that takes care of, of the provisions under Chapter 2. Um, now, if you go to Chapter 3, then you see a lot of more um, terminology of bankruptcy in regards to the correlation of, of Chapter 9 and Chapter 11 as applicable. Um, to municipalities, no, and um, the same goes with the same figures that we see in the in, in the documents of the bankruptcy code, which we're talking about automatic stay. There's also um, rejection or acceptance of executory contracts. We have avoidable transfers, but there's also a similar cram down provision for for confirmation of the plan, good faith requirement. So it basically um, summarizes all, all the doctrines from bankruptcy. They're taken and, and brought into the Chapter 3. Now, there's one thing that I wanted to point out is that uh, the enactment of the law itself says that you, if, if there's any controversy in regards to how to implement or interpret these laws, um, these law, then they will use the First Circuit case law on bankruptcy matters um, that arise under Title 11 of the U.S. Code. So... So the, the, even though it's not really, they don't call it a bankruptcy right. uh, a statute because they don't they don't want to create more friction with the Constitution. And I'm talking about the 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 the, the intent behind the yes. law. Even if they don't call it like that, it's still you know it, it, it's very clear that that the intention is, is is to follow the doctrines established by 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 bankruptcy courts in the federal government in the federal courts. Right. And we should um, we should mention parenthetically at least that um, legislation has been introduced um, uh, in the U.S. House at least that would allow um, the islands uh, agencies to restructure debt in court um, along the Chapter Nine option, sort of clarifying the rules for restructuring and aligning them with the federal standard. Uh, but since that's not likely to pass. Uh, Law 71, uh, mimicking as it does uh, the U.S. Bankruptcy Code, is probably uh, 
what we're going to go by. It's, it's, I have my reservations as to whether it's going to pass. I doubt it. There is serious concern and there are serious questions that Congress will entertain it. Nonetheless, when we look at the legislative history, I wanted to point out I couldn't find a reason as to why Puerto Rico was left out when Chapter 9 was enacted. Uh, we look at the legislative records. We have been searching everything regarding the enactment of Chapter 9, and we couldn't find exactly why Puerto Rico was left out. So in view of the vacuum, uh, the Puerto Rico's representative in Congress sought to amend or, or seek an amendment to include right. Puerto Rico within Chapter right. 9. And maybe that way we can uh, deal with the Constitution or Puerto Rico could deal with the constitutional right. issues and at the same time be more in a sh- in a bankruptcy court right. uh, with experienced insolvency attorneys or insolvency judges that could deal with the with, with a chapter nine and the complexity complexities of insolvency. Uh, but again, I I don't think that Congress at this time will be entertaining stuff. Nonetheless, it will, deal, it will really uh, resolve one of the constitutional issues that they're raising. Right. Well, we look at, at, at just to, 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 to expand a little bit more on, on Sonia's um, um, presentation, the, the fact is that, that, that the exclusion, it, it's within the definition of state, you know, and, and um, the, way, the way it says, you know, that Title 11 of the U.S. Code will apply, um, to the states, uh, the, the territories in Puerto, uh, the District of Columbia and, and Puerto Rico. Uh, however, for purposes of Chapter Nine, it doesn't apply to Puerto Rico and the District of Columbia. Right. Um, so, so we we that that was that's what we were tagging, you know, when we were, when we were doing the research to verify the exclusion itself. But as Sonia said, you know, that the the only um, mention that 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 we got was uh, uh, in the in, in the congressional records. Uh, one professor asked for the record, you know, why is Puerto Rico excluded? And then that's that's when basically the recording ended. So we don't we don't we don't have a, a, a an indication of, of what the intent was for the exclusion, and which is something that's going to be um, scrutinized and and it's going to be heard in the constitutional complaint. Right, a mystery so far. Right. Well, let me shift from the legal uh, to the. Uh, real impact on the credit markets. So how have the credit markets reacted so far and in the long in the long run since Puerto Rico is going to need access to the credit markets what will law 71 ultimately mean for uh, Puerto Rico's access to credit? Well right now it's, it's it's everything has been downgraded to junk status um, from everybody from 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 every way possible. Um, just the mere enactment uh, triggered a, ser- a series of, of downgrades uh, in the credit. Um, the first one was uh, Standard and Poor's, uh, and 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 after that, Moody's and 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 Fitch Group. They all lowered the the, the status of, of of the general obligation bonds and the general obligations guaranteed debt to um to the investment grade of of showing. Economic distress and and contract and 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 the fact that there's a decrease in the labor force and 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 the fact that there was in the enactment of the law, um, so they 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 actually just wrapped it up and like Sonia said, we we came to a position right now where where there's 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 something that needs to be done to to, to fix this situation. Um, all of them uh, downgraded. Uh, one of the 
one of the most severe was uh, was uh, Moody's um, that that took us down to Chunk territory just just uh, right away. And and every week we we've, we've been we keep seeing these downgrades because there's not an, an actual C two A solution for 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 the problem. There is no ability for the government to issue new bonds right now. There, there's just none. Um, so, so right now, they're, they're, it's like a time bomb, you know, that's happening. That that we're either waiting for one of these agencies to file for relief under Law 71. Um, they're talking about next month or maybe from here to January, but it's definitely being prepared or or, or being tailored to, to for filing very soon. A percentage of this bond. They had constitutional guarantees. Pursuant to Puerto Rico Constitution, they used to say that they were going to be paid because they were protected by our, by our Constitution. Nonetheless, every time when you enacted this law and with subsequent actions from the government, inaction or inaction in another respect, every week we have been seeing a downgrade. And for the regular person in Puerto Rico, they come a person in Puerto Rico, if I file bankruptcy, that means that it's more expensive for me, uh, and I'll get higher interest rates if I need money. And that's what's going to happen, and it's happening with the, with the government. Every time for public works or for anything that it needs, uh, there's not going to be uh, money or there's not going to be a market. And if there's a market, it's going to be with increased interest rates that makes any project unsustainable or likely to be unsustainable uh, because of this downgrade. Uh, whether the issue should have been resolved another matter, whether they should have gone to the bank uh, for the bondholders and, and tried to establish a plan directly with them, all those are issues that are being evaluated and should be discussed. Nonetheless, the fact is that with the enactment of this new law, every time what we're seeing is that Puerto Rico is closing its doors right. to new financing and to continue with the public operations of the island. Right. Well, there is uh, life after bankruptcy um, for uh, U.S. Uh, municipalities, uh, those that have been through uh, bankruptcy. Um, so perhaps that's the uh, that's the lesson here as well, that after Law 71 is actually implemented um, and uh, after a period of years, uh, perhaps the credit markets will will return in a way that's um, affordable for the island. On a personal note, I think that the situation had to come. It was uh, for Puerto Rico and to the economy to reorganize and come again as it was in the past oh, something had to be done and right. the problem had to be stopped. And, like, I'm in favor of bankruptcies. I have been doing this for 17 years. So I, I believe in bankruptcy pro and against. Nonetheless, it's going to be interesting how this new law, if it's declared constitutional, again, if, uh, and it depends on what Joshua Sosa does in the district court, right. it's going to be interesting how our local court administers this, uh, this law, this insolvency law, within the Puerto Rico framework and within the bankruptcy cases of this First Circuit. Mm. Uh, we're accustomed to our judges, to our bankruptcy judges, but this is a new right. court right. that was just created to right. administer this law. Right. Well, we will watch with interest these developments and uh, certainly hope uh, Sonia and Javier can 
continue to uh, update us and other ABI members. And thanks again for joining us today, both of you. Thank you, Sam. Thank you very much. That's today's podcast, and thanks for listening. There are more than 150 podcasts in our online newsroom. Go to news.abi.org slash podcasts to listen to them. Until next time, this is Sam Giordano saying good day.